Well, hello and welcome to the Health Perspectives Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Moore. And today we have two of my favorite physicians, Dr. Monica Newton and Dr. Antonio Rios. And we are going to discuss population health, a term that is often heard, but perhaps not fully understood. So let me just introduce our speakers real quick. You're going to want to hear their background because it's very impressive. Uh, Dr. Newton is the founding program director of Northeast Georgia Medical Center's Family Residency Program. She's a longtime co-chair of Northeast Georgia Medical Center's Community Health Needs Assessment Process and numerous other community roles. And notably, she's also co-chair of our One Hall Mental and Behavioral Health Collaborative. She's been a councilwoman before. She has advocated with our local legislative delegation on important health issues. And somewhere in all of that, she sees patients, participates in mission trips, and even went back to school and got a graduate certificate in population health from Thomas Jefferson University. Welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. And... Dr. Rios, he is also very well-known, well-loved, and respected in our community and serves as our Chief of Population Health at Northeast Georgia Health System. He sees patients and also teaches and mentors medical students and other health professionals. Locally, he serves on the board of Good News Clinics and has also served as chairman of the Georgia Board for Physician Workforce And as impressive as all of this is, believe me, I am only skimming the surface on these two. We are fortunate to have you both. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Christy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, let's just start kind of at the beginning and give sort of just a basis of knowledge and talk about what really is population health. Would you like to take that, Dr. Newton? Sure. Um, I think one of the things that's interesting is that a lot of people think about population health in terms of what they know about public health. So I think in order to understand both concepts, we need to talk a little bit about both. So, um, Public health is mainly the focus on promotion of health as in terms of the individual. So you would think of the local health department as helping to provide clean water, safe food, perhaps even providing for vaccines for individuals to prevent flu um, and providing services that help individuals pursue their individual health. Population health, on the other hand, is really a focus on improving outcomes. And I want to focus on that word because I think it helps people centralize what they're thinking about in terms of population health. So it's improving outcomes of a defined group. And myself, probably, maybe others, would say that that defined group could be any group of people. Um, but the group needs to be defined, and then you work on improving the health outcomes of that group as a whole. And of course, through that, you're drawing on the support of the public health department, the public health system, the health care system in general. Um, but it, it 
draws into a lot of concepts related to what are some important health outcomes and what are things that are barriers to improving health of a community, of a patient panel, of, you know, your school, if you're a kid and listening to this broadcast. I think um, those things are concepts related to population health. And I've found in working in this area that when you begin to look at the outcomes, you just have more questions than answers. Why is there differences between groups of people? And it helps you to kind of drill down and what might be some of those underlying determinants of health. So maybe as an example, just for sake of discussion, we might, we might talk about a group of people perhaps in a certain geographic area that has diabetes. And you might look at that through many different lenses. Would it be, you know, um, outcomes by race and ethnicity, outcome male and female? Um, am I on the right track here just to give our listeners kind of a, an example to go from? Yeah, I think definitely um, you're going to look at trying to break down that population into smaller groups to determine what kind of interventions you might put in place in order to improve the health of that group of people or the health of that population from the sake of this discussion. So obviously, um, there are key parts within each population that if focusing on those, um, you'll improve the metrics or the outcomes of the health as a whole. For Just for instance, most of the chronic disease that we see, it's beginning younger and younger, but it's really in that, you know, I'll say 25 to 64, that age group that's could be employed or unemployed, it could be insured or uninsured, and that group of people is where most of the seed of the chronic disease and the cost of health care begins to fester or that sore begins to fester. And it manifests itself as you get older into the 65 and older rage. And, and we could have the same discussion about areas that we found in behavioral health and you know, pockets of communities where, you know, suicide is higher than others. It's very interesting. It's more of a focus on data. And then it's also very action oriented, which I think I find very exciting to to try and figure out answers to some of the things that plague our community. And sometimes the answers are not obvious. And I think that part is really exciting. I do, too. And I think that sometimes you think the data is going to tell you one thing, and that's not what the data says. So you really have to be objective (laughs) about it, right? You do. Yeah. You do. And you have to ask yourself some questions, Mm -hmm. you know, because oftentimes, you know, and in areas where things are unclear, you'll find sometimes the answer that you think you'll find as a result of your own internal bias. And so you have to question some assumptions you make about people and health and what people value. You know, I think oftentimes when we have conversations about health, and I know Dr. Rios has, you know, had some of these as well, you're surprised what patients value 
I mean, and when we come into the clinical encounter, we're both clinicians on this podcast, but when we come into the clinical encounter, we oftentimes one-on-one have a very different agenda than the patient might have. And I think that same thing comes across in data. And as a scientist, as a clinician, and as somebody that works in the population health field, you have to really question sometimes what is the, what are you, what are you looking for? Yes. What are, what are we looking for? What are we trying to improve? What are we trying to solve? So Dr. Rios, it sounds like preventive care is certainly a part of population health. Would you want to expound on that or give me your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think that you guys have uh, touched on really key um, uh, concepts that apply to population health. Number one is the data, you know, having the ability to get information. And then the second piece is that this is a team sport. You know, this is not an individual. It's a group of, uh, I would say, a multidisciplinary group of people that are able to look at that data from different perspectives and different lenses uh, with different biases and be able to have a more comprehensive picture of what we're looking at, what we're looking for. I think that the, the point is that we're trying to look at the whole individual and the whole population from you know birth to grave. And what are the factors that are affecting population in the US we are really good at acute care at, at sick care but we really haven't done a very good job in the preventive uh, world how do we prevent our kids from becoming diabetic in their teenage years how do we prevent our children from becoming smokers uh, as young adults and so on and so forth so Absolutely. I think that uh, there's, there's a lot of work to do, and I do find this work extremely exciting because the opportunities are endless. Yes. Uh, definitely job security. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> That's the truth. So that brings me to a, a, a good question. Like, where, where are we going to begin with this? I mean, I know we've, we've done bits and pieces of it over the years, but it feels like it's a more concerted effort now yes i think that you know if you equate this to being trying to eat the whole elephant you know you have to start somewhere and the way that our organization has chosen to start is with uh, determine that population by payer so currently we are working and learning as we go we have a full at-risk contract with CMS that is called a direct contracting. That full risk means that we are responsible for the whole cost of care for that patient population in a year. And if we do better than what Medicare predicts the cost is going to be, we're able to get some shared savings. But if we spend more than what Medicare told us the cost was going to be, we end up writing a check. Then we have other contracts that uh, are Medicare also, but Medicare Advantage, where we are able to, if we prove to those payers that we're doing a really good job taking care of the patient on the predefined metrics, we can get some uh, surplus or bonus uh, money. So I think that this is really pushing us to look at things that traditionally in a fee-for-service model 
or, or uh, a model where you get paid for the service that you provide, we are trying to shift that focus on really looking at the quality metrics and how are we documenting, how are we reflecting how sick our patients are in paper for somebody that is reviewing it thousands of miles away. So it's definitely a slight difference in how we are caring for patients because we are not focusing only on the patient that we have in front of us when we are in clinic, but we're thinking about our whole patient panel, hence the team where we're looking at analytics, where we're having nurses calling patients that have not necessarily been in the office yet, but because using predictive analytics, we can uh, risk stratify these patients and say, these guys have a high risk for admission to the hospital. And how do we become proactive in managing their care versus just reactive? That's a lot to take in, but um, maybe this is appropriate, maybe it's not. But I've heard the term used um, value over volume type thing like we're, we're looking at the quality of care and what those outcomes are versus just being paid for visit after visit where we we're kind of more quote rewarded if a patient has the better outcomes and are not readmitted for instance yes i, th- I think that we all know that the amount of money that the united states spends in healthcare per year and it's an astronomical figure and we're probably the, uh, as far as quality, our outcomes do not necessarily match how much money we're putting into this. Yeah, I was going to um, just add a little bit that, you know, when you talk about value, um, I'm I'm taking the perspective from not just the value of um, the services that we provide, but the value that we that the patient receives for being healthier. So I think um, you have like the dynamic duo today. You have Dr. Rios talking a lot about the health system's perspective on population health and how to improve the outcomes, the health outcomes of the patients we take care of in the health system. And and um, I've been so lucky to be part of the community health needs assessment, which is the other part of the value equation, is how do we get upstream from the the symptoms that we're seeing with the patients that come in um, with acute care. And I think the health system that we work for with its mission of improving the health of um, our patients and all that we do is so ahead of its time in its focus on population health and improving the health of the community. And so I'm super excited to be working um, on the community health needs assessment and what that means and that transition that we've had within Northeast Georgia from focusing on disease states to focusing on healthy behaviors and the healthy behaviors that feed into an improved or healthier life that brings value not only because you're well and you can work and you can see your grandkids and you can walk your daughter down the aisle, those things are not tied to financial um, uh, means, but are, t- are are still in a really important value to our community. And we want everyone to be that healthy best self. So Excellent it's a point. very 
fun conversation to look at. This is a perfect example, as you were saying, of how you can look at population health from lots of different perspectives. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, uh, touching on Dr. Newton's point is the value, you know, from an individual that because you spent the time, you or your team spend the time to explain why it is important to get a colonoscopy, Mm -hmm. right? The patient is not a, (laughs) it doesn't sound like a fun procedure, but uh, you convince the patient because of XYZ, the patient gets the colonoscopy and they find 11 polyps and they take care of that. If that patient hadn't had this procedure a few years down the road, there would have been a colon cancer and the life would have been limited. What is the value of the patient for the patient that because they did this, that is a standard screening recommended procedure, um, their life really has uh, changed. Yes. And it's important to note that we're looking at especially those who don't have access to that they might not be insured they may not have access to those regular screenings that's when that whole as we talk about with our community health needs assessment work the whole looking at it through that health equity lens and making sure that people have um, the opportunity to receive those types of screenings and that makes a big difference too um What about um, another definition that you hear out there is the social determinants of health. And I feel like we've touched on that a bit, that um, those circumstances where we're born, where we work, where we live, that may have an impact on health. Um, Do you mind talking a little bit about that and helping us just define that in the context of this conversation? Well, I think um, one of the things that the social determinants of health speaks to is that the most important piece of data that you have that will determine your health outcomes is your zip code. And, um, you know, I think it's really crazy to think that where you live, where you're from, who you're around, what what's in the environment in which you live are the most important factors that will determine outcomes. I'm a family doctor, so I well know that the most important piece of data I can get from my patients is, tell me about your family history, right? So what do they have? Because what they have are likely to somewhat be genetic factors, but also be social factors that tell me a little bit more about your lifestyle. And when we look and we peel back the layers, like I said, with data, is you oftentimes will find dis disparities. You will find a piece of data that doesn't seem to line up. You don't quite understand why this particular racial or ethnic group has outcomes that are so so much different when they have what seems like the same access to the same services. Sometimes, in fact, you find they don't have the same access to services like you mentioned with Um, uh, people that don't have insurance or folks that, you know, for whatever reason, fall out of income criteria that seem very arbitrary and oftentimes can't take hold of those 
preventive services that we want to see those folks that have multiple part-time jobs that still (laughs) have Mm -hmm. health insurance it's so infuriating right um and so when we find that that there are social determinants involved it's oftentimes um the role of a of a primary care physician like myself or dr rios to help them connect them to resources but you have to get to us first Mm -hmm. Or you have to have a community connection that helps direct you to um, to care. I I think of, um, you know, a a patient that a church was having an outreach um, and they were trying to organize an outreach for mammograms. And, um, you know, the patient took hold of that opportunity to get a mammogram and was was diagnosed with a, you know, a a precancerous condition, you know, and I think had that person not had the opportunity or not been affiliated with the church that had this mammogram outreach um, to folks, then they might be in a different situation like Dr. Rios was mentioning. And, you know, obviously we know that poverty is um, one of the most crucial, but Uh, social determinants of health, but also education. And how are we communicating to patients? You know, we learned in some of our focus groups that um, most of our um, Hispanic patients, they learn through social media um, and, and, you know, media in general, that's their source of information. And so we need to make sure that, that we're getting out good quality information through those means to folks, and I think a lot of that was highlighted as we mentioned during COVID. Um, the information that people got was, you know, warped a lot of it, and um, you know, and a lot of it, you know, we were learning on the fly. So, I mean, of course, you have to give healthcare people a break that they were, you know, learning. No one had the answers. Everyone was a little bit shocked and scared ourselves so but when we talk about social determinants they are the things that really um, underpin health outcomes and so moving the needle on those getting like I said upstream from that working on education um, working on job food stability location of healthy foods you know there are a lot of places even within our county that are considered food deserts. Christy, you'll get a kick out of this that I was in Dollar General and I almost made you a picture yesterday (laughs) (laughs) because I was so proud. The lettuce was so pretty. Um, It was so pretty and the bananas were not brown and there was tomatoes and cucumbers and I was really, really excited. You know, we live in a part of the county that's considered rural and I know that a lot of people um, get food at Dollar General, and this is not a Dollar General, <laughs> but, but maybe it should be. And so thank you um, yeah. to the Dollar General and Lula. I was really impressed with the, um, the quality of the produce and the amount of produce that was available there. And so, you know, I think that we are, as, a, as part of these population health initiatives, really trying to, to you know, help people... I, It's a calling I have, I think, to help people make right decisions or good decisions. And we need to make the good thing or the right thing easy to do. Dr. Rios and I have worked forever in this health system, it seems. And we always say we want to make it, you know, the right thing easy to do for our doctors that we support. But 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 for our patients, too. And I think that 
that spirit is so strong within the health system and our community that I think it's really worth calling out that we're trying to do some things that are a little bit different. um, And that makes us a better community as a whole. I love it. Yes. The whole community health projects that we might do in partnership with others like nonprofits or maybe even stores like Dollar General, who knows, Um, you know, the the working together, we can be stronger in meeting these goals. And I really like what you said, Dr. Rios, about how it's definitely a team sport. I know um, you were um, the focus of a video on our NGHS website about population health. And I think I saw some other partners there are there's other clinics in town. There's other physicians who are all kind of on board, not just NGHS, but other physicians um, in the community who are also um, on this bandwagon. I, I think you, you, you guys have discussed this already, but the, this is a very complex problem, a very complex issue. And if we are going to make a difference, it will take the whole community to, to work together on this nonprofits, the industry, the for-profit agencies, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It will take a a significant effort for us to really address all the big issues that are taking place uh, nowadays in our community. No doubt. There's a role for everyone. Let's see. What, um, how do you guys see our focus on population health really affecting our patients? What should they expect to see? I can start with that. Uh, I have a, a group of uh, nurse care managers that are uh, analyzing data of patients that are either being discharged from the hospital or, again, categorized as high risk for X, Y, Z. And they're calling the patients. And recently we had a patient that had a open heart surgery and was discharged from the hospital. They're trying to reach out to all these patients and, and say, hey, how, how are you feeling, Mr. X? And, and he was like, I'm not feeling that well. Why? So started going more into more detail into their symptoms and uh, were able to get some vital signs and his blood pressure was really low and were able to connect that patient with the team that had taken care of him in the hospital the medications were completely changed and we were able to, that team was able to avoid that patient from going back to the emergency room or being readmitted uh, by doing some relatively simple things with his medications. But it took uh, uh, the ability to connect with the patient and discuss the symptoms. So I think that what we're trying to achieve is exactly that, improve the health of our patients, improve um, the, their life, uh, qu- their quality of life, and prevent them from having, at all, if at all possible, any major catastrophic uh, complication. Sometimes you, you're never going to be able to get to zero, but if you're able to decrease the odds, I think that's a win for everybody. Yeah, and I'd just like to add that um, the nurse care managers is one avenue that will we deploy in population health, but we also have a whole digital strategy too for those that are coming up in this digital world. And I think, you know, being able to connect to advice through e-visits and video visits, um, COVID taught us a lot about that. Um, But I feel like 
we're going to have more and more avenues for monitoring people at home, for providing that type of, you know, hands-on care for the sickest of our patients. Um, and also for our healthy patients, reminders, um, text messages, um, campaigns that we send out to remind people um, of their needed preventive screenings. So I think if you're connected to our health system, I would expect to see some more of that and strategies that help address the whole population. You know, one of the things in the in population health and looking at outcomes, you know, especially in the cost of care, they always talk about that iceberg. So the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg is, you know, the most sick patients. And one of the things that we find is the amount of energy we put into end-of-life care um, and really um, the energy that we as a health system are putting in to really understand what people want at the end of their um, life and, and to help them achieve those wishes and I think that that top tier, the sickest of the sick, you know, is underpinned by many levels of folks that need different kinds of touches. And I think that's why people get kind of lost in the whole, like, what is population health going to look like? Well, if you're young and healthy, you're going to rock along and we're going to want to see you once a year, get your vaccines, you know, maybe your blood work checked. If you have chronic disease, we're going to want to see you more. We're going to want to remind you about all those things, especially when things come up like COVID. We're going to especially want to make sure you're covered because you're at risk. You're in that tier right below perhaps those that have significant illness and acute illness. And so I think, um, you know, it is a tiered approach. And I think I think it's wise to do that. Nobody wants to be bothered if they're young and healthy, but we need to continue to put in those healthy behaviors messages across the continuum, you know, and there's no need to wait till you're at the tip of the iceberg to decide to quit smoking. We're here to help you do that. (laughs) That's the single most modifiable health risk factor. Um, You know, we're here to help you with that. And so continuing to provide those messages along the way, I think will be important too. Yeah, this is really helpful. I think it's giving people a little bit more of a tangible idea of what we're looking at and what we're trying to do. But um, is there anything that either one of you would like to add just that maybe we haven't touched on that you think is important in this topic? I think that uh, as uh, Dr. Newton started the population health and public health intersect at some point. So it is important that they complement each other. And at some point they're, you know, the same. But um, uh, this is a, we are learning as we go. And I think that as we get more mature, really the, the magic will start happening. Yes. And I just like to throw out a challenge that oftentimes as a healthcare provider, you see folks that equate health with healthcare. And so we're responsible for the healthcare part, but each individual is responsible for health. And so as we continue to promote population health, I think it's important to to remind people that we're going to do our best to remind you about your health. 
um, and we're going to do our best to create messages that resonate with you and your culture and make sense for you. But ultimately, we need to have your buy-in that you want to be healthy and live a full life. And I think that is um, something that is a challenge. And I think as people have more personal um, skin in the game, so to say, um, I think um, we'll be better off. Unfortunately, people just wait till they get sick and need health care. But um, don't do that. Um, life's too short. There's too much living to do. Mm-hmm. So just toss out that in parting words, like think about your health today. Think about folks that, you know, don't expect everyone to come around and try and work you out of that situation that you got yourself in over years. It's everyone will do their best to help you, but do something good for yourself today. That's a really, really great point to end on. We we all have that personal responsibility for our health, and we are an important part of our own health care team, for sure. Well, thank you both so much. I think we've uh, really delved into this, and we could probably talk about it a lot longer if we had the time. But thanks for listening in to, to our podcast today. And just know that the Health Perspectives podcast is available anywhere you can get a podcast. Really, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Tune in and we'll see you next time on Health Perspectives. Mm-hmm.